able for our scripture reading, which is from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous signs then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of the bread, he will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. As we have been following along in the Gospel of John in this series we call The Adventure, Pastor Greg preached last week on Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. A crowd of people had gathered there to hear Jesus' teaching, and it is late in the day, we are told. One of the disciples comes and tells Jesus that he should tell the crowd to go away, to go find some food to eat in another place. But Jesus had different plans. Instead of sending the people away, he asked them what resources there are there. 
They find that there is a boy with five loaves and two fish. And we find a miraculous provision takes place. Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish to meet the physical needs of the people who are there. The story points to Jesus' provision. But along with those 5,000 that are gathered to there to that day, it points to the question of what feeds us and sustains us. Who it is we look to on the journey. And how we seek to find our needs met, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. When things are challenging in particular, where do we turn? What do we look to to find our needs met on the journey of life and faith? When you think about that question, you think about the different ways that the world looks to have those resources met for people who are hungry physically out there, but also are looking for something more in life. Hey. Did you say, did you say hungry? Yeah. <laughs> Look, Mike, I, uh, I'm just coming off one of the trails. And okay. I, I didn't pack myself a lunch. Oh, you forgot lunch? And I Sometimes am, my kids do that I am uh, for school. starving. Are you? I am starving. I am so hungry, I'm going to pass out. Oh, man. You know what? I just happened to have some bread here today. You know, I, I brought some with me, you and I was thinking, you know, we might, we might need some extra bread here you today. to preach your sermon with a roll of bread? And well, you know, I just, in? you know, often we celebrate communion in this church, and, you know, there Jesus broke the bread, he took it, and he gave it to his disciples, and they ate. And, you know, I'm just starting to tell a story about how Jesus fed 5,000 people at one time. Like he took five loaves and he miraculously multiplied them and he fed a ton of people. But you know, I, I happen to have some bread here today to share with you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, gonna take the, I'm gonna take a piece off the other end there after, yeah. That's good. Yeah, it's good bread. That's good. I, yeah. I think I'm gonna make it. Okay. I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad you stopped by with as hungry as you were. You know, we as a church want to reach and meet the physical fed 5, needs. He fed 5,000, and it makes it sound like that was just the men, like the women and children even more. So it might have been like, I don't know, like 8,000 or 1,000. I don't know. I feel like, I mean, I feel like I could eat for like maybe 10 people right now, <laughs> mm-hmm. but 5,000. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it was a miracle. And Jesus was wanting to point to who he was. Not only that he could feed people, like physically, like you're chowing down right now, um, but that he could meet some deeper needs. And today, we're actually going to talk about those deeper needs. That he could feed us and sustain us in other ways. Not just physically. You know, Mike, I think I might have some deeper needs myself. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know be able to stick around and hear what you have to say. I know you've been on a journey. It's not only been like a hike, like you've been backpacking on this adventure. But I remember last time you were with us and we're hiking. You talked to Greg about how God's word could feed us. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we're going to be doing today. So stick around. Oh I think God. it might help. Okay, thank All you. All right. Hey, glad you stopped by. No, I'm. Me too. Whoa. Good cat. Hi, Greg. If Jesus is about meeting our needs, not only physically, like we just talked about with Morgan, we have to think about it spiritually too. 
This last week I was thinking about this and what feeds us and sustains us. What is at our source and our center? And I entered into an exercise in a number of different groups and occasions that I want to do today. Think about the communion table and the cross being like your heart and the throne of your heart. The question is, what is at your source? What is at the center? We know that when we invite Jesus into our heart and life, he is meant to be there, right? He's meant to play that central role. But I think there are different ways that each and every one of us take Jesus out of that central role. And instead of having the cross of Christ at the center of who we are and experiencing that sweet fellowship with him, we allow our fears and anxieties to get in the way. And we end up unwittingly placing other things at the center. It could be our financial security. It could be how the last election went. It could be our jobs. It could be our phones. When my family and I entered into this exercise in our family worship time on Monday, we were at home. So we had the various things kind of around us that we could even place at the center. We used a chair, and on that occasion, several things ended up on that chair, unwittingly placed in the place of Jesus. We all ended up putting, uh, at least the three older ones in my family, ended up putting our cell phones on the chair. We recognize that we hold on to our cell phones so tightly that we're not holding on to the grip of Jesus as tightly as a result. Checking on social media, videos, whatever it might be, consumes a lot of our time and attention. And we can lose our focus from Christ. I put my wallet on the chair in that exercise, recognizing that my financial security could be placed on the throne of my heart and my life. There are many different things that could be placed there. Josh's running shoes were placed there. Because in athletic competition, we can place whether we succeed or not in that central place that Jesus longs to have. Well, the invitation of the gospel, as you know, is to put Jesus at the center. Revelation 3.20 is a great verse to help us with this. That says, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That verse is famously kind of embodied or expressed in Holman Hunt's painting, Jesus knocking on the door. One quickly notices that there's no knob on the outside of the door. It's not that Jesus yanks the door open and breaks in, but that he knocks. And if we hear his voice, we can open the door and allow him into our heart and our life. You see, we're meant to experience sweet communion and fellowship with Jesus. He is the bread that is meant to sustain us on the journey. But again, in our anxieties and our fears, we are prone to place lesser things in that central role or place that Jesus alone is meant to have. And unfortunately, as a result, we miss out on the big picture of how he wants to provide for us, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually as well. And I'm going to say on a week like this, it's all that much more important. To experience the sudden loss of a good friend and faithful servant life of the church can be destabilizing for us. We need to be reminded of where our ultimate hope lies and to see in Jesus the big picture of what he provides for us. N.T. Wright tells the story of a Ph.D. student, a historian, 
and he was working on the last part of his PhD project. I think about when I was almost finished with my doctor of ministry, how close I was and how much I wanted to be done with it. <laughs> well, this PhD student uh, needed to go and spend time with some paintings that captured what was going on in the period that he was studying. And he went to an art gallery and he was looking at the, the different paintings But essentially what he was doing was walking from painting to painting, looking at the descriptions at the bottom and writing down the necessary information, the the artist, the date, the time, the period, who he was influenced by and who he influenced. He went from, as soon as he got the information down, he went from there to the next gallery and and got the information and those paintings and how they related to one another and how they influenced one another. But at no time did that PhD student step back Look at the paintings and take them in and try to understand the deeper realities of what they pointed to. Similarly, Jesus is saying, this isn't about getting some information. This isn't even about me just meeting your physical needs. This is about pointing to the deeper reality of who I am and how I long to provide for you holistically on the journey of life and faith. In the interaction with the people there that day, they asked several fairly rapid-fire questions of Jesus to try to kind of capture some things and, and sort of gain understanding for themselves. The first one was, Rabbi, when did you get here? Then they asked, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And then what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see and believe in you? You see, the crowd first wanted to figure out how, they had, how Jesus had gone from where he had fed them to then where he was. They were looking for him. And because Jesus ministered mostly in the area of Galilee and Capernaum, they headed that direction, and there they found him. Their question, though, is an interesting one. When did you get here? A better question would have been, how did you get here? And if they had come to hear or understand that Jesus had literally walked on the water across the Sea of Galilee, they would have had a greater sense of who Jesus may be holistically as the one and only Son of God who has miraculous power not only to feed them, but to even walk on water, to overcome the elements of nature. Their second question, after asking how Jesus got there and when he got there, was a rather circular one, asking about what must we do to do the works that God requires. They're basically trying to think about how they could earn their way into receiving God's provision. But Jesus is quick to say, this isn't about works that you would do. This is about believing in my work for you. The what must we do question misses the point. That eternal life is actually Christ's gift. They were thinking in terms of achieving it by their own works. And Jesus is saying, what you must do is believe in me and the work that he ultimately would accomplish for them. You see, it's our affirmation and our understanding of Jesus as the one and only Messiah, Savior, and Son of the living God who has come to meet our deepest needs and to sustain us on the journey. After Jesus addresses their questions in a deeper way of when he got there and what, what works they must do, their third question then is, well, what sign are you going to do so that we can see it and believe in you? What work are you doing? Did you miss it, guys? 
There was just a tremendous miracle that was done. He had just fed 5,000 people. And yet they're asking for another sign. In a way, Jesus would say, there are no more signs that, that you need. Other, what, what you really need is to understand the signs and how they point to me. The crowd quickly displays their allegiance to Jesus doing physical miracles. And as we see the gospel unfold, more and more they're tied to their wanting to receive the, the gifts, the miracles themselves, but not understand or receive the greater sense of the giver and who Jesus was. What Jesus points to is that the miracles are a sign of approval of who he is and what he's come to do. And as a seal of approval, basically it's affirming Jesus' identity as the Son of God and ultimately our provider. Jesus was inviting them then to believe in him, to meet their request for his credentials and his works by looking to him himself, not just what he did. The crowd would point to the manna from heaven that Moses, they said, provided. But Jesus is quick to say it wasn't Moses who did that miracle. It was God himself. And it's God himself who is now at work through Jesus, providing for their physical needs, but pointing to Jesus as the one who can bring us ultimate satisfaction. What we could say then is that the three questions of the crowd are sort of off track. And instead of answering their questions directly, Jesus is pointing to the way that he is the greater answer for their deeper needs. What makes the difference is that we receive him personally, not the physical bread that he provides, but as we will see, the reality that he is the bread, the one who is at the source of all living things, and who is ultimately at the source of our eternal salvation. In response to their questions, Jesus points to three ways that he feeds them. He says, you're looking for me because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He knows that that physical need is is important, and he wanted to meet that need. But then he talks about the work of God, that is to believe in the one who he sent. The Father gives this true bread who comes down from heaven, Jesus tells us. In other words, Jesus isn't just about meeting material needs, though those are important. He wants to meet their deeper needs, the food that endures to eternal life, to sustain them on the journey spiritually and emotionally, not just physically. Jesus is saying that the signs were given to reveal that he could meet their deepest needs. And in a way, he's saying, I don't want you to just snack on me. I don't want you to just, you know, have your needs met for one meal. I want your needs met for all eternity. And I'm here to meet them as the source of life and faith. Jesus is saying, the sign of my feeding you is meant to point you to a deeper reality. That salvation is not by works, by the the things that they could do. But salvation comes by faith through God's grace and mercy in Jesus being provided for you. You see, as I said, it was not Moses who gave them the bread from heaven. It was God. And now the bread from heaven had come down in the person of Jesus. He is the one they are looking for and he is the one we are ultimately looking for. And Jesus is able to make this divine proclamation. I am the bread of life. 
And as we'll see through our study, continued study of the Gospel of John into the winter and the spring, this is the first of seven I Am statements where Jesus is picking up an echo from Exodus 3.14 and where God says, I am who I am to the Israelites. Jesus is now saying, I am the bread of life. And in fact, in He says it two times in this passage in order to to reaffirm that reality. But as the gospel unfolds, we'll see in John 8, 12 that Jesus is the light of the world. And in John 10, that he is the good shepherd and the gate for the sheep. In John 11, he's the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And in John 15, he says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Ultimately, here and there, Jesus is talking about the sustenance that he can give us spiritually when we feed on him. I think about all the holidays of, you know, Halloween that we just went through, Thanksgiving coming up, and Christmas, and and how much we are prone, at least I am, or I know my boys are, to go right to the sweets. To go right to the candy or the pie or, you know, the desserts in those gatherings. I usually like to run a turkey trot. I'm going to run our local one this year. Sometimes I run over a Chico because after I run a 5K, then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to eat. And now I actually am hungry. And, and I sort of give myself a pass then the rest of the day to eat whatever is, you know, whatever I want. But what Jesus is saying here is that He is the one who provides for us and meets other needs. We could say that Jesus, as the bread of life, feeds them and us spiritually. He is the true bread from heaven. He's the bread from God who comes from heaven and gives life to the world. He is the bread of life. And he says those who come to him will never go hungry, and he who believes in him will never be thirsty. He's saying, I am the source of real satisfaction. Jesus isn't the cake of life so much. He's not the frosting. He's the bread. He's what feeds us and sustains us. And as much of the third world still is sustained by bread physically, Jesus is saying, I am meant to meet those basic, deeper needs. He's not just the extra that sort of tops off our life. He doesn't provide the grace that we need in the midst of our other goodness. Like, again, I've said before, we're like 90% good and we just need Jesus to help us with that last 10%. No. He's saying, unless you feed from me, off of me, unless you receive me, you're going to miss out on the gift of life that I want to bring. You're going to miss out on the real satisfaction that I can provide. Many of us are tired and weary from trying to work our way there ourselves. We're we're trying to do what we can and what we believe might somehow earn God's favor. And what Jesus is saying to me, saying to me, saying to you, is stop and receive what I have to give. Allow me to provide for you. For he who comes to me, again, will never be hungry, and he who comes to me will never be thirsty. Just like he said to the woman at the well in John 4, that he would provide living water that would spring up in her to eternal life. He's saying to us, allow me to feed you and sustain you, and you're never going to go spiritually hungry. In the midst of our temptation, again, 
to remove Jesus off the throne of our hearts and place lesser things there that don't feed us ultimately or at least don't satisfy. He's he's saying, invite me to be who I am, the great I am, the one who can feed you and sustain you for all eternity. The reality is that Jesus meets these needs because not just what he provides, but who he is. And it comes out of his relationship with the Father. He says six times in this passage, I have come down from heaven. He speaks to the fundamental nature of his heavenly origin. That in him, the creator and sustainer of the world, he has now come down to not only meet us right where we are, but also recreate us and reshape us in light of his mission and vision. To not only receive what he has to give, but to be people, like I demonstrated in the the, uh, skit with Morgan, who not only receive what Jesus has to give ourselves, but are ready to help provide what Jesus has to offer in witnessing and in caring for other people. People who have fed on Jesus can become feeders. And I'm not just talking about pastors who preach on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about each and every one of you who have, been, who have met the gift of Jesus and experienced him as the bread of life and strengthened and sustained by what he has provided for you and how he has met you. You become people that are then able to go and share that gift with other people, to point people to the hope we have in Christ. I don't know why uh, there are times when it seems like um, memorial services come in threes, but they have over my journey and as a pastor. And Joe's passing on Thursday was actually the third of three. The two other ones who, who passed and that I'll be doing memorial services for the next Uh, in the next month, didn't actively participate in our church and didn't have a connection here directly. But they came to our church for hope and to provide support and care in the midst of loss. In church, that's who we're meant to be. We're meant to be people who provide for others out of the spiritual sustenance we have received in Jesus and to point to the hope that we have in him. But the grave is not the end. But as Jesus says, if anyone wants to benefit from what I'm doing, wants to receive this, you must, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you do this, you'll live forever and I will raise you up on the last day. In other words, Jesus is pointing to the experience of communion that we celebrate here. But he's also pointing to the reality that he can meet us where we are each and every day. But as we receive him, we need to continue to feed off of him, entering into his word on a regular basis, celebrating the power and presence of his spirit with us, especially in difficult times. One of our church members came on Friday afternoon. As you know, our office is closed, but I work on Friday afternoons. It's when Fridays, and it's when I'm getting my sermon ready and kind of wrapping up the week. But one of our church members just came and knocked on the door and just said, I need to spend time in the sanctuary. I need to spend time in prayer. And what I want to affirm about that person and each one of you who runs to Jesus in times of loss and difficulty is when you do that, you're going to the right source. And instead of seeking satisfaction in other forms, 
Instead of seeking to feed off of other things, whether it is your financial security, whether it is sex or pornography, whether it is drugs, whether it is other relationships, when we turn to Jesus and receive what he has to give in himself, friends, we're going to the right place. The detours we take in life is looking for other sources of bread, and modern people often mistake other sources to seek to, seek to satisfy their hunger. But Jesus alone is the one who satisfies us. In an application, we can ask ourselves once again, are we receiving Jesus as he wants us to experience him? For Jesus contrasted two appetites found in every person, the appetite for the food that perishes and the appetite for the food that endures. And my hope and prayer for you is that you are experiencing and receiving in Jesus the food that endures, not only for today, giving you strength on your journey and the adventure of life and faith, but the food that endures for all eternity. We know where we're going and we receive that gift of Jesus. And we know that there is a heavenly banquet taking place even now where those friends who follow Jesus and who have gone before us are even now celebrating. And one day we're going to get to participate in that. Friends, uh, next week begins Advent, the special set-apart season where we celebrate, anticipate the coming of Christ, that love did come down in Jesus. And I love the fact that our uh, design and communications director, director caught on to this reality that, the, that Advent really is an adventure. And that adventure is about Jesus' venturing down to this earth for you and for me in the humble circumstances and form of a baby, but that that young, that baby grew up and, and as the Son of God revealed himself to us that ultimately, again, we might receive the gift of life in him and be strengthened for the journey. As a church, we do seek to be ones who not only feed and sustain ourselves off of Jesus and his word and communion and understanding the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, but we are seeking to be a church who also feeds and sustains and speaks to the hope that we have in Christ in various ways. And one of the ways I just want to encourage us with is uh, through Operation Christmas Child, uh, we've been uh, receiving the boxes that will go to children around the world to encourage them. Uh, we've so far received almost 400 boxes, but in the next like 24 hours, we're expecting about another 600 boxes to come in from various churches, not only ours, but churches in our wider community. They'll be delivered down to Auburn and then sent off around the world to encourage children in various places. And I just want to say thank you for you investing in that opportunity to reflect Christ's love and for us to prayerfully consider how God is calling us to do that in a continued way as a church. Sometimes that's just pausing and celebrating like we are today. And I encourage you to stick around for our Thanksgiving before Thanksgiving meal today over in the fellowship hall. But other times that is giving out of the resources that we have received so that we can help meet the needs of those around us through the power and presence of Christ. Let's join in prayer. Lord God, we are thankful for today and this opportunity to spend time in your word. Thank you that your word points to not only the meeting of our immediate needs, 
but the meeting of our ultimate needs in Jesus. Lord, we confess that without you, we are without hope. As the passage continues, some disciples left you because of the difficulty of your teaching, Jesus. And there's one point where you ask the disciples, are you going to leave also the core disciples? Are you going to walk away? And it was Peter that said, where else would we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. So today we have come to you, Jesus, in worship. And we have opened our hearts and our minds to your word. We pray that in feeding us through your word today, you would be preparing our hearts and minds to go out and speak of the hope that we have in you and that other people would feed off of you through the gift of Jesus that you have given to us. Lord God, we bless these boxes, these Operation Christmas Child boxes that will be sent out around the world as a representative sample of those boxes and even just holding this one. We ask that you would bless these children through these gifts, that ultimately opening these boxes wouldn't just be, again, receiving some physical gifts, but would ultimately be speaking to the wider reality of receiving the spiritual gift of Jesus and the hope that we have in you. Lord, there are others in our immediate environment, those who are grieving the passing of loved ones, family members, and friends. There are those for whom the holidays, Thanksgiving, and the coming Christmas season aren't ones of anticipated joy. But we pray that in each person here and in those who we know and love who are perhaps hurting during this season, that you, Jesus, as the bread of life, would move to meet our deeper needs and so strengthen us and sustain us for the journey ahead. Lord God, you have given us the gift of your presence and you've also given us the gift of prayer And we do continue to turn to you in prayer by praying the prayer that you have taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.